Dream big, live large, acquire extravagant tastes, get tricked out, ride, and by all means wear that big golden watch with pride because God wants you to be rich. You see, the good news is not just that Jesus saves. The really good news is that he can also help you get rich. Stay tuned with us tonight on Sinners and Saints as we deal with Prosperity Light. In an age of moral bankruptcy, political sleaze, theological confusion, and aimless religion in a mindless church, we're addressing the need for a Bible-based, intellectually rigorous, 21st century Christian faith. This is Sinners and Saints. Theology with an edge. Hey, thanks for joining us on Sinners and Saints today. We're here to talk about a very fascinating article in Time Magazine. The article is entitled, Does God Want You to Be Rich? Joining us as usual for our discussion, Reverend Adam Kalushin from Ontario United Reformed Church, Reverend Moses Jambazian from Pasadena URC, and I'm John Sautel, pastor at All Saints Reformed Church. Does God want you to be rich? Nobody better to ask, I suppose, than a group of ministers. This article, fascinating, <laughs> it's illuminating of uh, the, really the more exciting part of the Christian gospel. And that's not just that Jesus saves, but Jesus can help you get that job promotion you so desperately need. He can help you get rich. Gloria Copeland tells us that, right? I had the privilege of <laughs> watching Reverend Gloria Copeland on the TV the other day, and she was standing up and quoting the scripture very clearly that God wants us to be rich. If you follow my decrees, Leviticus 26, and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you rain in its season and the ground will yield its crops and the trees of the field their fruit. I will grant peace in the land and you will lie down. No one will make you afraid. You will pursue your enemies. They will fall by the sword before you. Five of you will chase a hundred. A hundred you will chase ten thousand. Your enemies will fall by the sword. I'll look on you with favor and make you fruitful and increase your numbers. I will keep my covenant with you. You faithfully obey the commands. I will send rain and land in season, both autumn and spring rain, so that you may gather in your grain new wine and oil. I'll provide grass in the fields for your cattle, and you will eat and be satisfied. And on and on and on. She was quoting from the Old Testament scriptures. Clearly, obey God, keep his commandments, have strong faith in him. He will bless you materially. It's very clear. Yeah. Well... (laughs) Again, like the fact that it actually mentions my covenant with you and things of that sort, apparently just completely elude these people who will pick and choose certain verses and just throw those out there. No, God is not promising material prosperity for Christians today. Well, I don't know how many Christians today would want the blessings described in Leviticus anyway. I mean, they don't want cattle and fruit on the vine. They want a Cadillac and a gold watch. I mean, these things are—you can't substitute these things for each other. That just points out the fact that that this is written to a completely different audience in a completely different context in a totally different situation. But, you know, that, that brings us to our story here, the, the cover article in Time magazine. Interesting story, but first of all, I mean, it's just, it just shows how the contemporary church has no shame. I mean, we ought to be, we ought to be lamenting the fact that the church and Christianity is being lampooned almost in, in, in an article in a, in a widely distributed, widely selling magazine and and the poster boy of this 
story is some poor guy who lost his job. It begins with a guy named uh, George Adam who used to work in a tile factory in Ohio, of all places, loses his job for who knows why, doesn't exactly say, and his answer to the problem of losing his job is to move thousands of miles away to join a new church called Lakewood Church in Texas, and then there goes the rest of the story of a, of a brass man full of a great vision given him by God that he's to be rich, marches into the local car dealership and demands a six-figure salary, and the rest is history. It, the audacity of this, the, it's, it's amazing, mind-boggling, that this is what is being sold in the name of Christianity. But he has no problems with identifying the source of that, and the source of that particular theory of what Christianity is supposed to look like and how it's to make you feel and to work out in your life, he connects to Joel Osteen. Yeah, the problem with it is that what you have here is a group of people who have basically enjoyed a relatively comfortable life, but they've seen others richer than them. And the mentality is, I am a child of the king, and the child of the king is not going to be poorer than the child of the king's enemies. And therefore, my father, God, must want me to be rich because, after all, he owns the whole universe. And so I am simply going to rise up and claim that which is my own, and that is the material blessings of this world. And to have a contrary view to this and to even assume that Christians should be or could be poor is absolutely unacceptable. And so what you've done is you've jettisoned the entire message of the gospel, which is we are sinners undeserving of any good. In fact, under the wrath of God, who are to be saved by grace, and instead you presume that you have a right to everything that you can even imagine, let alone see, and God must give it to you. Well, don't don't misunderstand them. They're really happy about the gospel. (laughs) (laughs) But as they talk about, you know... Very. They even asked this guy or somebody in here. I mean, well, what about when Jesus gives the parable of this guy who gives up uh, his soul to gain the world, and he has all these vast possessions, and then he dies? And, and Jesus' point in the parable was to be, you know, don't 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 sell out your soul for temporary uh, wealth and prosperity. And and these people go, oh yeah, yeah, sure. You know, Jesus is about saving my soul, but. But why not get salvation and the whole world too? It's like redemption isn't enough. Being in Christ is not enough. Being a part of the heavenly inheritance is not. Having every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ is not enough. It's it's also about having the world. And the verse that they quoted a number of times was John 10.10. First it says the thief comes in only to steal and destroy, but they ignored that part. But the part they kept quoting, I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly or to the full. And this idea was that, look, this verse promises that you are to be rich. Now, granted, I don't see that at all in the text, but that was their interpretation. And this is the text. Jesus said, I came for you to have life abundantly, which apparently means all the material possessions of the world so that you can live in comfort. And 
So this is driving their theology. They claim God wants you to be rich. And the fact that you don't see that obviously would be an unholy view. The fact that you don't claim it means that you have no faith. Now, not all of that was covered in the Time article, but this is part of the theology. If you're poor, if you're suffering, because you deserve it, because you don't trust God, and you have not understood all that he wants to do for you. Well, my evaluation of the whole thing is that these guys are all just money grubbers themselves. I mean, they get up there at their slick speech, and they fill their church with poor people who are oppressed, the most desperate people in society. They tell them to, you know, tithe. Of course, you know, they always talk about tithing the certain percentage to the Lord, and the Lord will pay you back X-fold, depending on what kind of an offering they have declared it to be, a sevenfold, a hundredfold, whatever it is. You send in your money, and you promote this beast that you find on TBN and all these, you know, mega churches with these guys. They get up there, and they talk about nothing for an hour. And poor people cast all their hopes. It's like the Christian form of gambling. It's the Christian lottery. You find all these religiously naive people, these desperate people whose lives are in shambles and a lot of debt, not willing to work, to work themselves out of debt, not willing to uh, do the right thing, and get them in there, make them happy, sing a few songs, pass the offering plate. You get fat and rich off them. Few of them might be successful, and you can point to them as proof of your ethic, uh, that your principle that if you follow Jesus and you have true faith, then it does work and people get rich, and there you go. These people are all, they're satanic, they're God-haters, only thing they care about is their own pocketbooks, they're liars, they're wolves in sheep's clothing, and they're destroying the face of Christianity publicly and destroying all the souls of the people that are watching. Well, way Sick to, of these people. Way to cover everything we wanted to say in the whole show. Well, you're about, I mean, what, <laughs> do you, what, what, do you, what do you want to say? I mean, this is exactly what it is. There isn't that well, much to say. Well, what I wanted to say is how could we think that these people are crass, money-grubbing materialists when uh, Joel Osteen's wife begins the worship service as he steps out with his gigawatt smile matching all the hundreds and thousands of stage lights that are flashing on as soon as he steps out onto the platform in their sanctuary, and she begins to celebrate the goodness of the Lord by saying, Our Daddy God is the strongest. He's the mightiest. Wow. I mean, what in the... It's called showmanship. It's not called worship. Yeah. It's an attempt to try to engage people at an emotional level like a rock concert or a political rally. It is not meant to be contemplative. It is not meant to be God-centered. It is entirely based on this idea of get people hopped up and excited the same way they do, like I said, at a political rally when you're trying to get the troops to go out there and, you know, and get the votes out or the way that you try to do a sales seminar. You buy this property because it's going to go up in value hundredfold. Again, the only way you're going to do that is if people get excited and shut their mind off. Well, you know, that's that the same concept. It's per- Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> Perfectly with the sermon title of that day after you know they had their little celebration time about Big Daddy Strong God or whatever. The, 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 the sermon title for the day was, How Can Gratitude Save a Marriage, Save Your Job, and Get You a Promotion? <laughs> Now they ask this cat, Osteen, well, um, you know, there's a lot in the Bible about poverty and stuff. Um, So why do you keep preaching that God wants you to be rich? And here's his response. Well, when I hear the word rich, I think people say, well, he's preaching that everybody is going to be a millionaire. I don't think that's it. He says, I just preach that anybody can improve their lives. I think God wants us to be prosperous. I think he wants us to be happy. Now, notice the equation here between material prosperity and happiness. But now, I mean, also, what's entirely missing is that 
he's preaching about man. I mean, that the gospel is all about ultimately self-improvement, complete misunderstanding of the whole message of Christ and the gospel. But it's just such a superficial concept of God and faith and reality. I mean, only in America could this sell. Only in a only in a, in a country like ours could this ever pass off. No, the sad part is it does sell other places. These guys are gaining influence in other continents, but it definitely has the stamp of Made in America on it. Because what we've done is we've reduced everything to a very materialistic level. And so now we're saying, look, we are richer than you. You go to the African nations and a lot of Asian nations, and you tell them, you obviously want to enjoy life? Well, we're enjoying it. Why are we enjoying it? Because we're Christians who claim the promise. You claim it, you'll get it as well. Completely mixes up economics and soteriology. But what they've done is that they are telling people the only thing really to live for is prosperity in this age. And, okay, yeah, their salvation, that's great and all that, but that really is pushed to the back. But they're saying that is happiness, though. Yeah. I mean, they are equating happiness with money and stuff. Now, think about... If you do you know anybody who has money? I Not mean, a few. You think of a few people that you know of who have money. And I guarantee you, you will, when you start thinking about them and their lives and the things you know of them, you will realize they're probably the most miserable people you know. It varies. Now, the ones who have money but see it as simply an item that God has given them that they can use they're fine with it because they're not consumed with the money. It's not the love of money that they have. God has blessed them, just like pretty much all of us in the Western world are quite blessed materially compared to the rest of the world. Right. But when you place your joy and your sense of identity in that, yes, you do become miserable. And there are people who are so phenomenally rich, they could never earn another dime and spend thousands of dollars a day from now till they died and never run out. And yet they cannot be happy because somebody out there has more than them. And there are others who have nothing and yet have great joy because they really believe they have been delivered from the power and penalty of sin, that there is waiting for them the hope of seeing God face to face and dwelling with him forevermore. These ministers are crassly engaging the basis instincts of man and saying, look, look for your joy in wealth and let your happiness be determined by your wealth. Well, what's interesting is the people that they address, I mean, a lot of their dissatisfaction, a lot of their problems don't <laughs> – the problem isn't they don't have money. I mean, that may be one of their problems, and we don't want to minimize the, the difficulty of poverty. I mean, it is, in a sense, easy for us as middle-class Americans to sit around and, and think that it's easy for most of the world to live in poverty. No, we, we got it real good here. And it's very difficult to live with not knowing where your next meal is coming from and, and living without a lot of the technologies that we take for granted. So we don't want to minimize the poverty. But a lot of the people that they're addressing, the, you know, aside from poverty, the real problems and the miseries that they have come from their own consequences of their sins, come from the, the just horrific struggles they have in their relationships, the the terrible addictions that they're they're dealing with. And they, they come and hear this message like money is going to solve – as if, number one, they're going to get money by being obedient. But number two, as if money is going to solve all those things anyway. It doesn't solve anything. Like John said, there's plenty of people who have money who are completely miserable. There's plenty of poor people who are completely miserable too. But the opposite is true. There's plenty of people who do not have a lot of material wealth, but they have a clean conscience before the Lord, and they're thankful for his blessings, and they're able to endure the difficulties of this common curse because they have the joy of their salvation. 
But, they, but like well, you said, this is addressing people, their, their basest instinct, and they're just capitalizing on poor, naive, <clears throat> sinful people for their own wealth and their own popularity and prosperity, and it is disgusting and vile. Well, you can tell whether money is really going to ser- save anybody um, from their problems. I mean, just just test this out in our, in our own experience. Go look at all the inner cities and ghettos uh, around Los Angeles or our major major cities in America. The, the federal government has been dumping millions and millions and millions of dollars into these places for 30, 40, 50 years, and the problems have only gotten worse there because it's caused the family unit to disintegrate, and there's no, there's no responsibility, there's no concept of fathers being in the home and, and providing for their children and for their wife and keeping their marriages together. The only thing that's happened when the government got involved in giving more money to a lot of these poor people is it's made the, the problem worse. Money doesn't make life better. It doesn't solve my problems. But that's that that's what is so disgusting about this in some way is here it's the poor who are being targeted in this. I read a, a, a statistic the other day, and it's not about Osteen in particular, but it was about a TBN. And estimates uh, indicate that over 75% of their revenue comes from $50 donations. Now, who has $50 to give? Millionaires or poor people? They're, they're obviously making the overwhelming amount of their money off of people who have nothing. The poor are obviously being victimized in this. They are definitely being targeted. But a lot of this philosophy also is being given to richer white America. It's basically a means of telling them, forget all the social responsibility that you have. Forget all the things that God says about having compassion for others. God wants you to be rich. So if you are rich, be happy that God has given you this and think of it as your particular blessing. Somehow something you've merited or earned from God rather than through ordinary labor. And therefore, don't worry. Don't worry about the rest of them. Your conscience should be clear in your wealth. And what they've done is they've created a gospel for those who want to just deal with Little things, just, you know, fill a little bit of a God void, but not really deal with the true God who's out there. Yeah, well, let me tell you what it does to people, to poor people who buy into this garbage, this nonsense, this uh, these shenanigans. The poor people who buy into this and send their $50 donation into TBN or give their, you know, tithe and expect a 700-fold return or whatever to Joel Olstein and all these other uh, all these other blasphemers. What happens to them is they become discouraged. And they lose their faith in all of this stuff that's going on. And they they don't assign any real meaning to religion anymore and to the Scripture and the truth of Christ because he failed them. And so these guys are standing there represent, supposedly representing Christ, and they're actually turning away and inoculating thousands of people to even giving an ear to Christ. And these guys are responsible for the souls of those people. That's one thing. And you know what it does to rich people? I'll tell you the story. A few years ago, I went to some uh, family reunion, and there's some guy I never met and got out that, you know, I was a minister or whatever, so he came up to me, and he wanted to talk about biblical things. And so, of course, uh, obviously, I was excited. It doesn't happen all that often. This guy says, well, yeah, you know, it's just amazing. I've been, I've been finding that it's true in my life, and this guy was pretty wealthy. I find it's true that in life when I, when I really just obey the Lord, and, you know, I run a clean business, man, he just prospers it. And I have become so... Uh, so blessed by the Lord in the past year or two as I've really begun to apply the principles of the Bible to my business and I've kind of kept things clean and uh, cleaned up my life a little bit and man I have really been 
blessing. It's just been proven in my life, just like I've been hearing preach on the TV. And I am so happy in the Lord now. It took all of my willpower not to smack this guy right across the face. I mean, can you imagine if this guy met the Lord Jesus Christ and Jesus was talking to him about his life? And the guy said, is looking at how God didn't prosper Jesus. I mean, of all the people, Jesus was the most holy and the most righteous in every way and obedient to the law of God, right, obviously. It's like in a different category, right? And did he prosper? No. He got continually spit on and shamed and despised. Now, of course, the prosperity teachers will say, well, he did that so that we can prosper. You know, but this is, this is just preposterous. So my point is what it does to poor people is turn them away from Christ. What it does to rich people is it reinforces a, a vicious disgusting, vile self-righteousness that they have been obedient to the law of God and that's why they are blessed instead of being humbled. The fact that they are sinful people and continue to sin and that they need to flee to Christ for salvation and live a very uh, humble life. This kind of pride because of material wealth is just awful. There's a Dutch group that actually recently published a Bible that expunged all those parts that talk about money from the scriptures, especially all the parts that talk about selling what you have and giving to the poor, working so that you can give to others, and remembering that your joy is to be in the Lord. And a lot of conservatives were just furious. You know, how dare these people expunge the scriptures this way? I don't think that they caught the reality is that this is a joke. These people are basically saying, look, you Christians claim you believe the whole Bible, but you really don't, especially in the prosperous West. You really do believe that God has blessed you particularly because you come from a holy line as opposed to all the poor people. So basically, Jesus, as a joke, printed a Bible for such people and said, look, we'll take away the parts that would confuse you and leave you with just the Bible that you need, the one that never condemns your greed and envy and lust and arrogance regarding money. So what we need to see is that this wealth, health and wealth gospel, prosperity gospel, it really is for our time in a way. It is ones which have rejected the scripture and brought the things that tickle our ears. And that's what's going on. And that's why these groups are so popular. Well, what I find to be so funny and interesting about all of this is, um, you know, here it is. It seems like we finally found the thing that crosses the threshold or the line of tolerance, which evangelicals have for all this garbage that's promoted in the name of Christ, is here you finally have uh, the whole church up in arms against prosperity, light, and health, wealth, and prosperity people. On one hand, you have Rick Warren, who is um, calling this prosperity gospel laughable. He says this is, there's a word for this, uh, that God wants everybody to be wealthy. He calls it baloney. Uh, anyway, he's irate. And then finally, there's the Internet monk, this uh, apparently well-respected Christian blogger on the Internet, who finally gasps that he's had enough with this stuff and that these people shouldn't even be considered Christians. He says, how many young people are going to be pointed to Austin as a true shepherd of Jesus Christ? He's not. He's just not one of us. So basically what you can do is you can change the message of Christianity. You can... Uh, deny the the central biblical doctrines of salvation of sin sovereignty of God, but you Sacraments. better yeah. Yep. But don't you dare start selling prosperity in the name of Jesus, because if you have, we're just going to have to kick you out of the group. That's right, because after all, none of the mega churches that are not preaching prosperity and wealth ever design things to titillate the the base senses of mankind to draw them in, right? Right. I mean, it's not it's not different. None I mean, of these yeah, one, one thing is a worse degree than the other, obviously. But it's just funny to see 
finally them unite against somebody else when really they can just overlook their own flaws and and divorce themselves from the historic Protestant church and criticize them for being too rigid. Well, why don't you just embrace these other guys? I mean, Give them they, time, they, they will. Yeah, well, Eventually, yeah. they will. I mean, it's not like Olstein and some of these uh, famous guys like T.D. Jakes deny some orthodox doctrines in the Apostles' Creed, but I'm sure guys like Olstein and, and any good number of the, the faith teachers will say they believe that Jesus is God and, you know, they believe in salvation and sin. They're just kind of going at things a different way. They're maybe talking about more of the Christian life and practical living. So it's amazing how these guys are able to basically really change the entire emphasis of the New Testament teaching, which constantly points back to the cross as the redemption that we have been longing for, that Christ is the fulfillment of all the prophecies, the yes and the amen of all that God had said, and instead has now become this thing of, yeah, Jesus came, but it was in order that you would have material wealth. It is not even remotely close to the tenor of the New Testament, and you can listen to these men's sermons and then just go through and read any one of the books of the New Testament, whether it's the Gospels or one of the letters, and see that there is no connection in theme or in emphasis. And so that is really the big hint that you got something wrong. You hear a gospel message that's preached, which looks to Christ, and then you go back and read any of the books of the New Testament and it will flow in there beautifully. You will see how it will bring up an item and really clarify it and then continue forward. These things aren't even remotely grounded in the scriptures. You know, the most <clears throat> damning words of this entire article were the editorial remarks that the author made about Osteen and this whole prosperity light gospel when he says, Jesus is front and center, but not his crucifixion, resurrection, or atonement. That is the words ostensibly of a pagan who's disinterested really in the church other than he's evaluating its message and how are people hearing it. And that's a terrible thing that the world would say about the church, that Jesus has preached but nothing to do with redemption. We're not opposed to riches. We're not saying God's going to be angry with you if you have them. It's a blessing from God. But what we're up in arms about and what we should be upset about is that Jesus is being exploited and commercialized for the purposes of those preachers so that they can have uh, extravagant lifestyles and make a lot of money and have attract these huge followings. And they do it all with lies and deception, and they end up inoculating people against the gospel. That's the tragedy of this. Now, some of these guys were talking about how they do all types of nice things, like they've spent a million dollars on an orphanage and that they do give to the poor. And they've shown this as, look, see, here is our righteous works, which kind of reminds you of when Jesus is speaking of the Pharisees. They claim that they are righteous, and then they do these acts, and then they have the bells ringing and the trumpets sounding to say what they've done. But you see, you can't just say, oh, well, they did give money, so you shouldn't criticize them. No, we're criticizing them on their message. We're saying their message is unbiblical. It is not what God would have preached in the Christian church, which is that Christ has died for sinners, and all men need this redemption. Yeah, you want to know this, another sad dynamic of this this kind of preaching is that there are a lot of Christians. And I, I don't know. In my experience, it seems to be the older generations of, uh, of Christian people that, that will tune in to listen to this stuff on a regular basis, even if they belong to a church that would have nothing to do with this kind of, of heresy and, and man-centered, lustful sort of preaching. 
and people sort of listen to it and they enjoy hearing maybe the practical tips for living. They like the positive motivational speech that is uh, dressing up the, the core message of give, give, give to us. And I've actually heard people try to defend that. You can't be too harshly critical because, you know, they are saying some good Jesus things. Jesus is being preached. Right. Jesus is being preached. They are saying some good things. They do give me some uplifting things which I need. Look, this is poison for the soul. And you are not authorized as any kind of a Christian to listen to this at all absolutely. It will destroy your soul. It will desensitize you to the actual scripture. It will actually, it's like cocaine. The, the more you take of it, the more you desire, not the truth, but uh, something that comes in the place of truth, some emotional uh, titillation, something that makes you feel good, like Moses said earlier, something that tickles your ears. If you've got family or uh, people in your church or anybody who listens to this kind of stuff, neighbors and whatever, you warn them about how toxic it is and that they are actually guilty by, by listening and part, uh, of participating in this, the promotion of this social evil, the spiritual evil that will destroy many souls. Does God want you to be rich? Well, maybe so or maybe not. But God certainly doesn't want you to become rich by exploiting the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ is to be preached not for wealth, riches, material prosperity. Christ is to be preached for the salvation of souls. We want to warn people that this message, that Christ is not only a Savior, but one who is able to help you get rich, is a false gospel. And just alike with all the rest of the false gospels that we have exposed and warned you about, this is another one. We need to stay clear of it and tell the truth to people that they are sinful, that they are under the wrath and curse of a holy God, and the most important they th thing they need is not more money, more riches, or a better job, but salvation through Christ alone. We want to thank you for listening to us on Sinners and Saints. Join us next week as we tackle more topics with the truth of God's Word on Sinners and Saints, Theology with an Edge.